It is Locked on Jazz for the 28th of December, live or from San Francisco. How do the Utah Jazz get better defensively? We dig in. Style, personnel, lineups. Next, here on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Hope you're having a wonderful holiday. If you're a skier, hope you are managing your way up the mountains. Um, as you have learned, if we are on the road, it did go the other way for a week there. But if we are on the road, there's a massive snowstorm coming. Um, so enjoy. I'm sincerely, sincerely jealous this morning. All right. Um, I want to talk about the Jazz defensively because this is the one area where they're prohibiting them from having more success. And I want to dig in. Um, on a little exploration, exploration, excuse me, together uh, to find out what we need to do to be better defensively. So let's start with what is called the four factors. And the four factors break the game. Dean Oliver in Basketball and Paper was the original origin of this. And it breaks the game into four departments. Your, your shooting defense, effective field goal percentage defense. Your turnover rate. What percentage turnovers you force. What your defensive rebounding rate is. And then whether you foul or not. How often you put people to line. So we're 27th in the NBA in defense in non-blowout minutes. But we're the 18th best team in the league against the shot. We're the 19th best team in the league against the... Forcing it for, at 19th best team in the league at forcing turnovers. We're 26th in the league in defensive rebounding, and we're 18th in the league in not fouling. So we're really pretty average. Now, let's dig into each of these a little bit here to explain them. The first one is the defensive effective field goal percentage. We're 18th in the league largely because we do a wonderful job of forcing the correct shots. So the Jazz defense allows the fewest three-point shots in the league by a large margin. Like, it's really, Will Hardy has put his stamp on this team, figuring out, well, how can we have an impact on the on the margins? We're allowing 30% of all shots against us as three-point shots. The league average is 36%. The next closest in the league is Sacramento at 32%. So we're allowing 2% fewer three-point shots than anyone else in the NBA. That's interesting tonight because we're playing the Warriors to take the second most. We do allow a high amount of rim shots. We're 22nd in the league amount of shots at the rim. But overall, we're forcing opponents into 34% of all of their shots are mid-range shots, either non-restricted area twos. Basically, that's it. Non-restricted area twos. 34% 
of shots are non-restricted area twos. Let me back up for a second for those of you that are new, learning weekend, holiday, just decided to check this out. Here's the math. Someone shoots at the rim, the league average is 66%, so you can probably figure that out. That's 1.3 points per shot. If they take a shot in the floater zone, which is the paint non-restricted area, the restricted area is that half circle underneath the basket, they're now shooting 43%, which is up a little, but that's .86 points per shot. The long mid-range shot, so the two-point shot not in the paint, is now at 42%. That's .84 points per shot. So all of the mid-range shots basically are .84, .85 points per shot. A three-point shot from the corner is 38% this year. It's about 1.16 points per shot, right? Because you're timesing it by three. And the above the break three is now actually all the way up to 36%. So that's a little bit over one point. And that's what the average three-point, it's 35.5, and the average three-point shot is 36%. So if you take a three-point shot on average at .36 points per shot, you're averaging well over a point of possession. So the the game you're playing here is trying to force people into the correct shots and then keep them off the free throw line. So the three-point shot is 1.08. It's a little better from the corner. It's about 1.1 something. It's a little less good from the top, but it's 1.08. And the mid-range shot is a .8. We'll call it .84. Like, these numbers are not close. These numbers are not close. Like, I've heard, oh, the mid-range is on the rise. These numbers are not close. The rim at 66%, right, 1.22 points per shot. That's that's way better. So the rim's desi- the most desirable. But, but with our personnel, Will Hardy's looked at us and said, okay, well, we cannot take away the rim. We don't have Rudy Gobert. What we can do is we can take away the three. And the Jazz have done a masterful job of it. And so, based on where teams shoot against us, teams get only get shots in the 10th the best location in the NBA. The Warriors, by the way, are the best at this. The Warriors force the worst shots across the board. The location, effective field goal percentage of Warriors opponents is the best in the NBA. Boston is second, Milwaukee is third. Or 10th. So when we dig into these numbers, why do we do some of them well? One of the reasons why we're doing a good job on the shot at 18th in the league, it's not great, but it's good, is where we're forcing people to shoot. Okay, and that is that is going to be important for this conversation. There's a reason why I did that. By the way, the shooting accuracy, like there's a level of luck, we're the seventh best team defending the 3-2, so we've done a good job with that. We've been really fairly unlucky on mid-range shots. Teams are shooting 45%. Not a big difference. They're at .9 against us instead of .85, and they're right on average at the rim. Okay. So how do we get better defensively? Understand. The first area where we get better defensively is we defensive rebound better. Now, part of the problem is there's probably three issues why we don't defensive rebound very well. One is personnel. Two is the philosophy we just talked about. If we're taking away the three, we're probably spread out a little bit, and so we're not around the rim as much. And, and then three is we're switching a lot defensively, which allows us to take away the three, and so then we end up in mismatches. Personnel is a large part of it, though. If you look at our three primary rebounders, Lowry Mart, like great rebounders get a defensive rebounding percentage of about 30% of all rebounds. Okay, So the best rebounders in 
are are thirty percent of all available defensive rebounds. They go grab them. Uh, we don't have our guys traditionally. Jared Vanderbilt's about a 23, 24% rebounder. Uh, Kelly Olenek's about a 20. It's really not very good for big. And Lowry Markin's actually below 20. And Olenek is strangely having his career low in defensive rebounding. I'm not sure why. Um, it's it's worth probably trying to figure out a little bit. I'm not, I'm not, maybe he's playing less center and more four and he's out on the perimeter more. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, but that is worth noting. So those guys are not, we don't have the personnel is the first part. And then I do think that by playing this style that has been really important to us, which is, okay, what can we do great, which is we can take away the three and we've done an amazing job of it, I think our guys are spread out a little bit. And so maybe it's not entirely possible for us to become a really, really good defensive rebounding team. Here are the players that impact our defensive rebounding. So let's look at our personnel for a second. When Taylor Horton Tucker's been on the floor, we've been five percentage points better in defensive rebounding. Surprising. But some of these have to do with combinations. We'll get into combinations in a second. Walker Kessler helps our defensive rebounding a great deal. Five percentage points. Okay? Walker Kessler has got to find a way to stay on the floor. Rudy Gay helps our defensive rebounding a great deal. Probably somewhat because he plays with Walker Kessler, but also Rudy made some really good rebounding numbers. And frankly, Rudy's plus-minus numbers are through the roof this year of positive. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is another one at minus three. Um, and Malik Beasley is better. So our bench is a far better defensive rebounding than our starters. Our starters are, are Kelly Lennox, four percentage points worse when he's on the floor. Fontecchio, Sexton, Vanderbilt, Markinen. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, all far worse. So let's look at some lineup data here and try to figure some things out in this regard and try to see, like, well, what combinations defensive rebound and what combinations don't defensive rebound? Because I think that's the first place if we're going to get better defensively. There's certainly an element where if we're going to get better defensively, we're going to have to guard better, probably play harder than we did against San Antonio. Uh, But we've played pretty hard all year long. And there are some areas where we're making massive improvements defensively and that that is therefore giving us, I think, a chance to be a better defensive team. And we'll touch on that um, as we continue as well. Wednesday edition of Locked on Jazz is brought to you by our friends over at Murdoch Chevy, located at Woods Cross as well as in Logan. The Chevy lineup of cars and trucks is just incredible. And Chevy is a part of Americana. Don't you wish you had that four-wheel drive truck the last this week with all the snow that's been going on here? Well, you can go get it. The Silverado, I like to call it the lazy boy chair of the trucks because you've got this big, huge truck and you're feeling so good and the la- like you're sitting in the lazy boy and just feeling awesome and you yet have all of this juice and this power behind you. And the Colorado is the zippier, versatile truck in the lineup of perfect trucks from Chevy. The SUV lineup is outstanding as well as it brings you uh, the uh, Equinox and the Traverse as well as the Utah County Assault vehicles, the Tahoe and the Suburban, there for you, plus the tracks, all there for you. It's all at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross and in Logan. If you're going to head down there, please feel free to give me a call and let me know so we can set you up with a VIP meeting at Murdoch Chevy. Today's show is also brought to you by Prize Picks with a 100% deposit match up to $100 with a promo code locked on. 
Prize picks, it's fun, it's easy, it's there for you to play daily fantasy sports. You pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than the prize picks projections, you can win up to 25% of your money. No competing against other people, it's you against the projections. Every sport is available, entries are made in 60 seconds or less, safe and fast withdrawals. Currently operational in 30 states, download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports first time. Users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up, though, because that's how you get your instant deposit match. That's the promo code locked on at sign up. Thanks very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. For your second listen, Locked On Sports Today recaps all the things that are going on in the sports world in 22 minutes or less. Catching you up on all of it. All right, let's look at some lineups. So we can analyze these lineups and look at them, but let's start with our first most prominent lineups. So Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Market, and Jared Vanderbilt, Kelly Link. Our starting lineup is in the 19th percentile of defensive rebounding. Our secondary lineup, which is Colin Sexton and for Mike Conley, is also in the 18th percentile in defensive rebounding. Okay, so our we have three lineups that have played over 100 possessions. They are they all involve the the third one is Malik Beasley comes in for Kelly Olynyk and plays with Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Lowry Markin, and Jared Vanderbilt. That's an average defensive rebounding team, average. The first two are not good. The other two, our first two primary lineups allow the opponent to have over 32% of their misses back. And what's interesting is if you dig in to the four factors on the this starting lineup, and we'll just include Sexton, so these six guys, we're actually not bad defensively. Like the defense, the starting lineup with Mike Conley is in the 66th percentile against effective field goal percentage, the 50th percentile enforcing turnovers, and doesn't foul a lot. It's really good. It just doesn't rebound. It's actually in the 64th percentile of all defensive lineups. It's really pretty good. Our our overall number is a 116. They're a 110. That lineup is good defensively. If, if we could do that. You bring in Sexton for Conley, we fall off the map seven points per 100 possessions. And everything else, just everything slips a little bit and the defensive rebounding stays bad. You bring in Beasley for a Linux, and Mike Conley's still on, Clarkson's still on, Markin and Van, you bring in Beasley for a Linux, and it's bad. We go to 124 instead of our 116 defensively. And one of the main things is we actually rebound better, we stop forcing turnovers. So that group stops forcing turnovers. And then our last group, which is our primary guys, is when a Linux comes in, uh, excuse me, Beasley comes in for Vanderbilt. So it's a Linick and Markin and Beasley Clarkson. This again, this group doesn't defensive rebound, allows opponents 38% of their misses to get back. Um, I was surprised by this because sometimes I think Vanderbilt is not a great defensive rebound, but he's actually statistically the best defensive rebound of our three primary guys career-wise. So you take him off and you leave Markin and Linick out there together and the defensive rebounding skyrockets to 39%. You go to one of our bench units, which is Sexton, Beasley, Horton Tucker in this case, it's now Nikhil, Rudy Gay and Walker Kessler, and all of a sudden you have a really good defensive lineup. That's been our best defensive lineup of the year. 
Saxton, Beasley, Horton, Tucker, Gay, and Walker Kessler. Now against bench units, and that's probably part of the reason. Let's understand that you're not playing Luka right now. You're not playing Jokic right now. But that's our best defensive unit. It's also our best defensive rebounding unit. Another really good defensive rebounding unit is Colin Sexton, Mike Conley, Malik Beasley, Lowry Markin, and Kelly Olenek. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. We just talked about the fact that when you pulled Vanderbilt, our best rebounder off, and you had Markin and Olenek on in a previous lineup, that we just don't rebound. Unless Colin Sexton... And his fearless competitiveness is actually that important in the rebounding. So from a big combination, if we have Kelly Olynyk and Lowry Marketing on the floor and we have Jared Vanderbilt off the floor. So this, this by definition, I don't know, and, and I don't actually have Walker Kessler into this mix. We should struggle in defensive rebounding, and we do. We're in the third percentile of all defensive rebounding. The minute Vanderbilt goes off the floor without Olynyk and Marketing. When Walker Kessler comes in, we actually don't defensive rebound any better than that. It's kind of a strange little strange little aspect there. If Jared Vanderbilt is on the floor with Lowry Markinen and Kelly Olenek, which is our starting lineup for most times, our defensive rebounding rate is in the fifth percentile. It's not great. If we bring Walker Kessler in for Jared Vanderbilt, as we have kind of fiddled around with in the starting lineup a little bit, the defensive rebounding rate for the Jazz gets worse. The point I have here is that some of this is personnel-based, and I don't have a lot of good answers as I dug into this for how Will Hardy is supposed to come up with defensive rebounding lineups. It was really interesting to do this earlier and, and not get answers. Like, I really thought... Okay, our defensive rebounding numbers are better with Walker Kessler. Our defensive rebounding numbers are, like, actually great when our bench unit's on against bench teams, who are usually smaller and don't offensive rebound as much, which is kind of surprising. Now, Walker Kessler, when he's against starting units, is not as, like, this is, it's a noticeable, you can kind of look at the Walker Kessler numbers and you get a noticeable difference of what kind of looks like if he's playing a bench unit versus whether he's playing a starting unit. So, right, he's playing with Sexton, Beasley, Horton, Tucker, Gay. All right, probably against a bench unit. Defensive rebounding rates 20%, which is outstanding. Playing with Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Market, and Jared Vamba. Okay, that's probably a starting unit. Defensive rebounding rates at 26%. That's actually pro- oh, that's average. For the most part, when Walker's on the floor, our defensive rebounding numbers are pretty good. He does he makes a positive impact on it. There's a few, you know, his number he hasn't been with any group for more than eighty possessions. So you're dealing with really small sample sizes and five guy lineups. But when you start to play the combinations of what you what you have, it's interesting. One thing that's interesting would is we have started to play Walker a little bit with Lowry without Jared and without Kelly, somewhat because of Kelly's injury. So if you take our four bigs and you're playing Walker with Lowry, that's our best defensive rebounding lineup. That has been our best defensive rebounding lineup. They're in the 76th percentile, and they're really good defensively. When Walker and Lowry are on the floor together, we're in in the 94th percentile defensively. So while I searched and looked and tried to find combinations and see what I could do to find to get better defensive rebounding, <clears throat> didn't find a lot except for that. 
that when Walker and Lowry are on the floor, but Olenek and Vanderbilt are off, we end up with some pretty decent defensive rebounding numbers. And we actually end up with a really good defensive team. There are some defensive lineups out there, if you kind of dig into our two-man, three-man, four-man numbers, that you can kind of find some good defensive lineups in there. So there, there's here's the other thing that's really encouraging on this. Really, really encouraging. Our transition numbers are way better. For the longest time, we were not only allowing people in transition a tremendous amount, we weren't defending transition. And the Jazz transition numbers have improved a great deal. And this is a sign of where how the Jazz can become a better defensive team, but also a sign of Will Hardy's coaching getting across and the team improving at something. There's areas, certainly, where you know during the course of a season you have slippage and things like that. But really... If we take, you know, if if we take from, let's go October to the middle of November, and you look at the Jazz transition numbers during the time defensively, it was it was it was rough. Um, teams were teams were running on us a, a pretty high level. We were having a hard time getting out to stop them. Uh, now all of a sudden, if you take for the month of December, we've We've had some games in which teams run because it happens and you're missing shots and teams get out. But overall, we've gotten much better. We're the 12th best team in the league in transition defense in December. We've gotten way better. Now, tonight's a big task because it's Golden State. And we're holding teams to just 21% of their possessions in transition, which frankly sounds worse than it is the difference between 21st and like 13th is nominal. It's like one percentage. It's one possession over 100 um, in which taking place. So we're back in the middle of the pack. When we were you know, early in the year, our transition defense, I think in early October and early November, you were dealing with, we were like in the 30s. You just got to not be there. Like, frankly, you just got to not be there. Like, that was part of the problem. Early in the season, we were just letting people run. Ron was super concerned that we were way too slow. Teams were in uh, in transition on us all the time. And now we're seeing we've cut back on transition and we're defending it better. That gives us a real chance, by the way. So there are a bunch of things trending that I think can make the Jazz a better defensive team. I do think there's some personnel things where it's just not who we are, right? We're not a natural rebounding team. We're doing a really – Will Hardy's doing a really good job in having a characteristic and an angle – uh, by which we're going to, um, by which we're going to play. Like we're going to deny the three. We're going to have good shot location defense. We don't have personnel that can take away the rim, um, and so um, we'll see. You know how that how we're able to do that, um, and whether we can continue. But I think we're going to see an upward track, and we're going to have to look. It's going to be hard to see. We got thirty five games in our book, so it's hard to move the numbers. We'll have to dig in a little bit to make sure we see it on where the Jazz are. Uh, defensively, I think that transition is important. All right, we didn't do league trends because we didn't do a Monday show, so we'll do uh, last two weeks and last 10 days uh, coming up here on today's show. Today's show is uh, around the league. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Bet Online Odds, news, scores, and more. It's betonline.net for all the sports information, sporting news you need. It is betonline.net. You can also get into the action. The Cowboys are now an 11-point favorite on their Thursday night game tonight. The Utah Jazz head to Golden State. Four-point 
favorites are the Utah Jazz in Golden State against the Warriors. I do wonder whether Klay Thompson's going to play tonight. He played 39 last night, and I haven't heard an official word on it. Uh, Over-under is a 232 tonight. Um, and a Warrior Jazz are a four-point favorites. Luca is in Sacramento, or excuse me, uh, Nicole is in Sacramento tonight, and they're a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the Kings. Milwaukee's a four-point favorite on the road. Minnesota's in New Orleans where they're a six-and-a-half-point dog. They're worth watching. We have their pick. Miami and L.A. tonight, eight-point favorite for the Heat at home. Wow, the Heat have I've watched don't look like a team that can beat anyone by eight. Um, they just don't have enough firepower. That is betonline.net. All right. uh, Every Monday, we give you Trends Monday, and that is when we look across the league to see what's happened, who's hot offensively, who's hot defensively, things like that, over the last two weeks and ten games. And so let's do that right now. The hottest team in the NBA over the last two weeks by a million miles is the Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant's. There are just the guys in this league are ridiculous. Luca last night goes sixty triple double. Durant is a marvel every night. I can't stop watching Jokic. Like I don't have time to watch as much basketball. It's incredible. Brooklyn is number one. The Clippers, who I did say Kawhi looked great the other night when I watched late, they're the number two team in the league over the last two weeks. Philadelphia is three. New York is four. Boston is five. New Orleans is six. Pretty interesting. Orlando, by the way, is seven. So give them credit. Utah, we're twenty second. Uh, We're 8th offensively, 24th defensively over the last two weeks. The teams that are not playing well are Detroit, Milwaukee's 29th, Houston, Charlotte, San Antonio, and Chicago, Golden State's 24th. Who are the best offenses over the last two weeks? Brooklyn is running away with this. They're 7 points per 100 possessions better than the Knicks, who are 2nd, and they're 11 points per 100 possessions better (coughs) than the Lakers, interestingly, who are 3rd. And Brooklyn is averaging 130 points per 100 possessions in their last uh, two weeks. This is the team we all thought they were going to be, or at least I thought that. I was, remember, I was all in on Brooklyn, all in. Uh, the top offenses over the last two weeks are Brooklyn, New York, Lakers, Phoenix, Atlanta, with New Orleans right behind it, were eighth. Teams that are not scoring right now are Houston, Charlotte, Milwaukee, Memphis, Golden State, Oklahoma City, and Detroit. Let's go the best defenses in the NBA over the last two weeks. It's the Clippers, Boston, Philadelphia, Memphis, Oklahoma City, interestingly, and Denver. Wow, Denver, who's been just really bad defensively all year, suddenly really good over the last two weeks. That's why we do this, Trends, is to keep an eye on it. Um, Teams that aren't defending, Detroit, Chicago, Milwaukee, Lakers, San Antonio, and Toronto. All right, that's the last two weeks. Let's do our check on... The last 10 games, these are often similar but have little differences that kind of give you sometimes a little bit of a tidbit of what might be uh, going on differently. Our top offense still continues to be Brooklyn at a much calmer number, 122. The Knicks third, Portland second, Portland third, Denver fourth, Lakers fifth, and then the 76ers six is the top offense as Orlando's still sitting at seven. Orlando's eight and two over the last 10, by the way. Teams that can't score, Houston, Charlotte, Detroit, Oklahoma City, Miami, and Golden State over the last 10. Boston struggling to score also. They're 24th in the league offensively. Defensively, Memphis over the last 10 games is way better than everyone else. Then Boston, Clippers, 76ers, Cavaliers, and the Magic are 6th. How about Orlando? Detroit, San Antonio. Teams that aren't defending, Detroit, San Antonio, Charlotte, Chicago, Lakers, Toronto. 
there, same group. And then our hottest team in the league over the last 10 games is now the Knicks with the 76ers second, Memphis third, Brooklyn fourth, Clippers fifth, and the Magic sixth. We probably should do this in reverse order because 10 games is more than two weeks. Detroit, Charlotte, Houston, Golden State, Wizards, and the Kings are the others. All right, that is our, our trends, our look around the league. Hope you're enjoying the league right now because I find it just amazing on a nightly basis. Um, hope you're great. Uh, we will be back with you tomorrow, still from San Francisco, I think, uh, after the Jazz and the Warriors game, getting ready for the Kings. Talk to you soon. Thanks very much for tuning in. Now make Locked On Sports Today your second listen.